When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth Shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make Shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. Welcome back, Cracked fans, to another edition of the Cracked Interviews Podcast. I'm your host, Alex Gruskin. As many of you listeners already know, our team had the fantastic opportunity to travel to Wyoming, Pennsylvania for the 2021 Lotto Elite Pro Tennis Challenge. It's always a pleasure to get to cover an exhibition event. There's just an intimacy to them that, you know, the large-scale pro events lack. Of course, it helps when you're in a beautiful backyard at the beautiful home of the Emke family, the delicious chocolate chip cookies each and every morning. They treated us like family, which we could not be more grateful for and beyond, of course, all of that. We had the incredible opportunity to watch some really high-level tennis players like Ernest Golbis, singles and doubles champion Makun Sesakumar, Chris Eubanks, Roy Smith, Ram Kumar Ramanathan, a bunch of great players uh, who we got to not only watch but speak with throughout the course of the week. You can find a lot of those conversations already here on the Cracked Interviews podcast. But of course, we haven't broken down the results of the event. We haven't gotten to give the highlights quite yet. And I wanted to do that. And I can think of no better person to join me to do so than the founder of the Lotto Elite Pro Tennis Challenge, our friend Dave Emke. Uh, he joins the show to help me recap the event, to talk about which players stood out amongst the field, to talk about the level of play we saw, talk about the origins of an exhibition event, how something like this happens, what it means to the Wyomissing community and so much more. I, I really did grow so fond of the Emke family, and I cannot thank them enough for hosting us. So this was personally a very, very fun podcast for me. I know all of you listeners are going to enjoy it as well. Of course, if you're looking for U.S. Open coverage, Great Shot Podcast feeds the place for you. We're breaking it down from each and every aspect. We'll have like six preview podcasts for you over the next few days. The first two have already been released. That was Men's Dark Horses with Tennis Channel's David Kane. We talked top women's contenders with Jeff, Tennis Abstract's Jeff Sackman. Of course, recapping Winston-Salem, Cleveland, Chicago, day in, day out on the Mini Break Podcast feed. But without further ado, let's get to my conversation with Lotto Elites, Dave Emke. Another day is here, and you're ready for it. What to wear? Check. Breakfast, lunch, and dinner? Check. Planning for what's next and how to save for it? That's where Bank of America can help. For your financial to-dos, Bank of America has experts ready to help get you closer to your goals. Get started at one of our local financial centers or 24-7 in our mobile banking app. Find a location near you at bankofamerica.com slash talk to us. What would you like the power to do? Mobile banking requires downloading the app and is only available for select devices. Message and data rates may apply. Bank of America and a member FDSE. Joining us on the podcast today, he was our fantastic host at the 2021 Lotto Elite Pro Tennis Challenge. I also know him as my adopted older brother. Ladies and gentlemen, welcome to the show, Dave Emke. Dave, how are you doing today? Uh, it's another day in paradise. We were talking before we started the show. It feels like I'm in recovery. There's definitely the post-Lotto Elite hangover, just so much tennis, such a short span of time, so many chocolate chip cookies. I mean... 
I think I still have like five or six remaining in a tray, and we're on like four days out, so I'm kind of like, do I go freezer? Do I just do I shovel them home? Like, I, it's a tough choice here, Dave. <laughs> yeah, I think that's the move. I your mom said she wasn't going to let me leave the event without putting on a few pounds. Mission accomplished. I I can say that. It was well worth it. I think I sweat a lot of them out, though, in the commentary booth, just given how hot it was, how nervous I am sitting next to Hutch for three hours, five hours a day. And so uh, it was no, it was a fantastic event, and that's obviously where I want to start today's conversation for listeners who aren't aware, although by now they've seen all of the podcasts. They likely are. We got to spend, I think it was five days in Reading, why I'm missing, whatever it was exactly, but at the Lotto Elite Pro Tennis Challenge, we got to see so many fantastic players chat with guys like Ernest Golbis, Chris Eubanks, Ram Kumar, Ramanathan, Makun Sasakumar, who swept the event. We'll get to all of that, but uh, just before we do any of that, for our listeners who are curious, tell us where this event comes from. What was the inspiration 2020 to hold an event like this and obviously carry it into 2021? Um, yeah, that's actually a great question. Um, this event, it really was one of the successes of COVID, uh, we like to say. Um you know, last year, Ryan Nor, the, the tournament director, came to me and was, hey, I'm, you know, I'm running a series of events locally. Um, what do you think about getting some pros in town uh, to do something in your parents' backyard? I thought, man, not sure they're going to go for it, but it sounds like a dream. Uh, you know, that's in the midst of everything going on. So, you know, I approached my parents. We talked about it, and, and it was a green light. So we just got on the phone and started calling all the contacts that we had to try and find some players. Um and I think, you know, we had uh, Dennis Kudla, Ty Kwiatkowski last year. Bradley Klon was uh, due to come, but hurt his back. And, um, you know, then we had some other guys like Chad Kissel and Nick Bible and, and actually Michael Zhang, who's like the number one or two high school player in the country from New Jersey, came out last minute. Uh, just a good field, and it was thrown together in about three weeks. Um, we just went with it and, you know, had the Lotto Elite uh, Pro Challenge in mind and, Kind of, it just went from there, kind of low key, more relaxed. Um, and then after the event, I was shocked. My parents said, Are we doing it again next year? And uh, Ryan and I just said, Let's go, let's do it. So <laughs> we just planned it from the day after last year for this year um, and just tried to make it an even better event this year. You know, we added the player party, we added, um, you know, crack rackets, you guys, we added ball kids, we added so many more things that just added to the experience uh, to try and make it a special event for these players. So uh, I know we're already talking about next year already and how to make that bigger. <laughs> so we'll see what happens. No, it was an unequivocal success. And having had the opportunity to travel to a couple of exhibition events, both during that 2020 time when there was no pro tour action. And so pe- players were looking to play and there was just an intimacy to this event. And there's an intimacy to all exhibition events that I think, Tennis fans who have the opportunity to attend them will come to love because you literally are watching these players play. They're directly in front of your eyes. I don't care how close you get in a stadium court. It's not the sort of uh, it's not the proximity you have when you are literally in the empty backyard. There is one court. Everyone's surrounding it. It's fantastic tennis, and the players were such great sports about it as well. The level of competition 
very, very high. And obviously, I think that speaks to the timing. Something you guys nailed is to have this event the same week as Cincinnati. There are a ton of good players who just with their ranking can't get into a Masters event. And so to get the chance to use this, I know for a guy like Golbus or Eubanks, uh, obviously McCoon goes down to Winston-Salem qualifying the next week. I know Rom's going to be in US Open qualifying as well. And even for guys like Nick and KP and everyone, just to have that sort of opportunity to play high-level tennis especially still with the confusion in the schedule. It was much appreciated, and it led to a high level of play. Now, sitting next to Hutch as long as I did, I picked up some little grains of history, and it sounds like there's a rich exhibition event history in the Reading area in terms of the tennis that used to be brought in. And I know mm. for you guys moving forward, you, you mentioned it there, you know, this is, this is just the start, right? There, are, there hopefully will be a 2022 event. Yeah, yeah, I... I... I like to think so. Um, you know, we do have a history in this area of bringing what was called legends to the area. Um, that was an event put on by the Red Cross and, and from tennis locally here was a big supporter of that and driver behind it. Um, you know, players like Ken Rosewall back in the day came and Rod Laver. And then more recently you had John Isner coming, who's a you know, living American legend here. Um, you know, when I was in high school, I played with uh, Martina Navratilova, and Gigi Fernandez, and then and a program with John McEnroe at the event. So it happened, it went on for, for many years, and it kind of just died off um, for a number of years, and Ryan's tried to bring it back. And um, now it's kind of like the pre-legends. They're not legends yet, but these guys are, are on a different stage of their career. Um, you know, Ernest probably the opposite of that. He's a legend. I was going to say, Ernest Golbus <laughs> is a legend. He is. He is. Mm-hmm. He, he's an awesome guy, you know, and, and his – he came to this to play and I, I from the minute he got in the car i got him in jfk or this family and he just said you know he's like look i have nowhere else to go to compete in the u.s to on hard courts i've got nothing this is perfect and he goes i want to play as many points as i can i want to play every match i can play and i just want to get out there and i want to be ready and you could see and i'm sure you picked up on it too he put himself in the situation of being in flushing meadows there you know he treated that as if he was playing the u.s open um, and I think that raised the other level of play from the other players. And I think they all picked up on that and kind of dug in and said, yeah, we're, we're here to win this thing. Mm-hmm. Um, no points on the line. It wasn't a ton of money. It wasn't like they were playing for anything that's going to break the bank. But they were just preparing, and it was a lot of fun to be a part of. Yeah, a, a couple of places I want to go with that. I guess I'll start with the serious stuff. No, you're absolutely right. And I think, you know, again, the fact that there were events in the community, you guys are now able to bring it back. It speaks to if there's enthusiasm for tennis in your community, you can host an event like this. I mean, I know, obviously, it certainly helps to have a beautiful backyard and a host like the Emke family yourself. And can't thank you enough again. And the beautiful court up to the U.S. Open specifications. The players are going to come to an event like that is what I'm trying to say. And I think what... 2020 and what you know again if we're taking any positives out of what happened during COVID it's that uh, these sorts of events are popular amongst players they're popular amongst tennis fans I wouldn't be surprised to see more of them continue and I think what you guys are doing is at the forefront of that so again I look forward to seeing how it continues to progress in terms of Ernest Golbis I, I really try not to get starstruck anymore, Dave, because I watch, you know, all these players. Not, and I have to be able to try and cover them objectively, and I try not to root for anyone anymore. I just root for good tennis. That's what I always say. Mm-hmm. Tennis, you know, it's all about the tennis. But yeah. um, 
I, I so growing up, I do have a real brother, older brother, two brothers, one younger as well. Eric, Nick, they're not going to listen to this, so this is their first <laughs> shout out ever. Um, but Eric and his roommates, who played tennis and weren't as good as me, it was a big moment when I beat them. You know, as a younger sibling, <laughs> when you're like, "Yep, I'm better than you now." Mine got injured before I could do that. So. <laughs> <laughs> Fair. I remember I beat him my going into his senior, my sophomore year, and I looked at him. I'm like, "I am never going to lose to you again." And he was like, "Shut the fuck <laughs> up!" And it's just all that usual. <laughs> stuff but anyways all of that is to say he and his roommates big Golbus fans because they're juniors seniors in college 2013-14 when he's making his big run and so I was a little starstruck and I think we uh I think we developed a bromance a little bit of love there when he goes Alex I'm not gonna lie you're very funny I was like oh my I was like say that again but let me hit record um and it was just again it was that's a sort of intimacy to get to speak with these players and interact with them at the player party and do these sorts of things it was again a much appreciated experience but I do also want to talk about the tennis because we talk about the level of play and this is a good preview because a bunch of these guys are going to be competing in U.S. Open qualifying they prepared as such and there were just a couple of standout things perhaps most amongst them the weight behind the shot of Ernest Goldis Dave I mean when he steps into a backhand that was the single most powerful shot in a tournament that had the Eubank serve, Roy Smith exploding into everything. Yeah. That was the one that stood out to me. I'm curious if you felt the same way. Yeah, and what was super interesting about that, you know, he came in on a Thursday evening in JFK, super jet lagged, came into practice Friday, you know, hit a good ball. Saturday, got a little better. Sunday, he was dialed in. And that's when McCoon got there and they, they played a practice set and you just saw the level of play where he said, you know what, here I am. I'm now recovered. I'm ready to go. And that ball just got bigger and heavier every single time he went on the court. And it just it was so much fun to watch that backhand, especially he's off the court and he's flicking a back. I say flicking. I mean, he's really powering a backhand through the court, stretched out for winners, and it was like nothing. It, it's unbelievable. He never hit it falling back, not once. Like his no. weight transfer was always moving forward. And – you know, I think we were there Sunday setting up, and I watched him play a practice set against McCoon. McCoon smacked him. Like, that was the other noticeable thing. And I know McCoon ends up losing in qualifying to Alexi Popperin, I think, first round. There was like one in five. But, I mean, then you I, – I just – the level of play from all of these players was, was outstanding. And I, I, this is my first time getting to watch Chris Eubanks in person. It is way more than just a serve and a forehand. Oh I thought gosh, he yeah. I thought he moved really well. I thought he hit his backhand return really well and it was because of his he played one lousy set of tennis against Rom and like that was it. They in the fast four format, that's why he got eliminated. I thought he was excellent. Yes, he there's so much to his game. Um I mean so athletic and he for as tall as he is, moves so incredibly well. Uh, it's it's so much fun to watch. Uh, you know, I'm happy for all the guys that made it as far as they did. I, I was looking forward to see to, you know, Chris play outside, mm-hmm. um, not at dusk, <laughs> but um, <laughs> you know, in the daytime hours. So you know, but hopefully he's back next year. You know, he even said, "Look, you know, as long as I'm not in Cincy, uh, give me a call. I'm coming back." So hopefully that holds true. Yeah. No. Well, respectfully, hopefully he's in Cincy. Just yes, because no, they goal yeah, for all these guys. Yeah. Exactly. That would be freaking awesome. But then he can lose first round and come hang out Tuesday, Wednesday, yeah, Thursday. Right. <laughs> well, we'll push it back for you, Chris. Um, but but uh, no, I I could not agree with you more. And it's just you're you're so right about the movement. Like he is. It's not just a 
you know, his length. It's the fluidity for someone his size. You're just like, oh, he can start and stop on a dime and just, you know, again, it feels like he's still got 10 to 15 pounds to add to his frame and he'd still be paper thin and it's just, he's only like 24. And so 25 years old, I, I agree with you. That was a standout. I mean, we probably should talk about the first man in Lotto Elite Pro Tennis Challenge history to win both the doubles and singles in a single event, um, Makun Sasakumar, who just, you know, I think he was one of the younger ones in the field, 24 years old, and he had gotten close to the top, you know, 150 before COVID hit, and, you know, since then he's kind of tried to refine his rhythm, had to, had to go to the future circuit because of scheduling things, but I was, I mean... His ability to absorb, redirect, I don't know if he's got that overwhelming weapon, although then he started cranking the serve. I, I was so impressed by McCoon. What do you think? Same. Um, I, I think we were all talking and watching with my family, my brothers and everybody. We're, we're sitting there saying, this guy, he just puts the ball right where he wants it, and he never looks like he's, he's scared of a ball. He just steps in, gets it back, and directs it exactly where it needs to go. And Chad Kissel, who's got a rocket of a serve, came to me after his match. I just said, hey, man, good playing, tough match. And he said, I've never had every single one of my serves come back at my feet so consistently. Because mm-hmm. I, I don't know how he did that. And it just it flustered him you know, to a certain extent. But he just, like, the guy returned so well. It was such a weapon to be able to do that. And his hands, I mean, it just was so much fun to watch. Mm-hmm. No, I, I couldn't agree more. And I – He's got like a little late 90s, early 2000s edge to his forehand, right? The way he kind of steps up and hits it early. Yeah. It, it's like, it, it's, it's kind of content. It's not Nadal, right? It's not the Western grip and it's not the heavy topspin. It's a little flatter. Um, but no, and then that backhand's just so smooth and just, again, the pace and the drive, he's able to generate it so easily and good hands at the net. That was the other striking thing is. You know, even beyond the headline names, you look at a guy like Nick Bible, you look at a guy, I mean, for me, I might have been more impressed by KP than any other player coming into the tournament because I just, he just makes the game look really, really easy. Like, you're just like, oh, okay, you were born and you have had a tennis racket in your hands since you were five years old. And just like, you could put KP at any country club in the country and he would fit in hand in a glove. Right. He was a lot of fun. Uh, he definitely played to the crowd. <laughs> That's yeah, no for doubt. sure. Yeah, and I mean, former D2 champion. Again, it's a size thing. Like, is he going to be big enough? But I thought, because he played Golbus, right? In that, in or the, the rain started and stopped it. But yep. I thought he handled the pace well. And obviously, he was holding pace with him for a while until Golbus, you know, the strength of Golbus shots kind of won out in the end. But that was a really good first set, and it's just like it, it reminds you how good these guys are, even if they're not ranked top 400, top 300. I guess that was the striking thing for me. I don't know. Any other final thoughts from the field? Um, yeah, no, I think you know everyone came to play. Um, you know, KP, he's, he's had some big wins You know, mm-hmm. back in his career. He's beaten some, some good names and definitely came to play. And, and Roy Smith, um, I got to tell oh, you, that guy— for sure. We saw him last year at the event, and he didn't make it out of the group play. And the level, I even told him and his mom, the level, his level from last year to this year has grown so much. And I said, look, I hope you come back next year, but I, th- I think you're going to be doing other things, i.e. Cincinnati or New York. You're going to be really busy um, if he keeps the trajectory going. He just he really showed up uh, in a big way. Um, and the other guy who – was kind of you know an unknown to me. I'll, I'll say is Rom, um, mm-hmm. but again, it just goes to the what these guys have to do day in and day out. 
I think we picked him up at the airport in Philly at 1230 Sunday night, Monday morning, because he was in Cincy waiting to get into the qualifiers, didn't make it, into qualies, flew out, did that, got him at 1230, he got to his hotel by 2, came out, he played, um, and then he's on his way down to meet his coach in Florida, and then he's up to New York, and the guy, he's all hours of the day, and I, I just, you know, one night we were standing there, I said, when are you going to go home to India? <laughs> and he said, maybe in October. Yeah. And I was like, that, you know, that's crazy to me that these guys are just not not going home. Um, he's got Davis Cup, he's got the U.S. Open, all these things going on. He's like, i got to play, otherwise I lose my points. i got to play. Yeah. No, so I... it's just a credit to these guys for, you know, doing what they do and then coming to play an event with no points. And, and it means a lot to us that they even showed up, which is great. No, I, I couldn't agree with you more. And, you know, I'm glad you brought up those two guys. I can't believe I've forgotten about them because what Roy Smith did indoors on Tuesday night was just uh, – it was dominant. Like he he found his he found his rhythm. And for Roy, who had struggled a lot, his big breakthrough result, 2019, that fall, he makes a final at a challenger. He starts out the college season at Baylor, but he kind of was like, I think I'm ready to go pro. So he leaves midway through the season. You know, it's been up and down for him ever since. And he's had some success at the Futures this year, but, you know, he's just outside the top 500 coming into the week. That was not what you would think from his level of play uh, over the three days in uh, in Reading. And just, yeah, the ball just explodes off of his racket and the way he was yeah. hitting returns so cleanly. I don't think he missed a return for about two and a half hours there, Dave. Like, he yeah, was just. Crazy. Yeah, and if he's returning that well with how many free points he can create with this serve, with how easy that plus one lefty forehand is for him, I thought he was comfortable at the net as well. Uh, it's one speed. But that is the speed you need to get into that challenger level and then start pressing even higher, right? I think he has that speed. Oh, he's got it. Yeah, he's got the game, and he has a little bit of dimension in there. I think he's he's on his way. Mm-hmm. And then my most impressive, and I have to share this anecdote, uh, anecdote, anecdote. Hey, great shot! I'm <laughs> trying to prevent my uh, my Rom pronunciation there as I was saying anecdote, but. I was talking to Rom, uh, and he, for those of you who don't know, his group play uh, on Tuesday for the, to set up who's going to make the semifinals and finals on Wednesday. It was two groups of four. It's a round-robin fast-four format. Uh, uh, Rom ended up losing his first match uh, to Roy Smith. I think he lost it 2-1. and one. Mm-hmm. And then he ends up beating Chris Eubanks 3-1. and one. So he was asking me before, and he said, Alex, how many games do I have to win to advance to the semifinals? And I did all of the math, and I said, Rom, if you lose three games or fewer, you will advance to the semifinals over Chris. And he goes, okay, I can do that. And he's playing Nick Bible. It's the night match indoors, 10.30 p.m. start time. And he ends up losing fewer than three games. And that would have been the most impressive performance. He was locked in and just, you know, the first two matches he was serving and volleying and returning and volleying and just trying to play quick indoor tennis. Then he started grinding. And, like, to your point, Rob's just freaking good. Like, that guy, he can put the ball on a dime. He can hit top speed on the serve with the forehand as well. I was a fan. I was a fan... And I, I became even more of a fan of him when I just saw how kind that man is. You know, yeah. I mean, he's on the court. Anything the other player needs, goes, oh, take another serve, go ahead. You want to play with old balls, go ahead. You know, he just was there to be a good guy, have fun. But still, he competed at a high level. And you're right, man. He turned it on like a switch when he knew how many games he needed or couldn't lose. And you could see in his eye, he just went for it. And he was going to make it to the next day, that's for sure. 
There's no doubt about that. It was also very funny as he was leaving. He lost his semifinal match, I believe, to Golbus uh, in that semifinal. And, you know, again, your our lovely mother, Mrs. Emke, had made <laughs> me a box of cookies for the commentary booth that day, and I had the box with me. And he goes, is that whole box for you? I was like, yeah, Ron, but, you know, you can take two for the road if you need. And he goes, okay, I'll take two for the road. And it was just very, it was just like that typical Ron smirk. And just like the kind, you're right, the kindest individual. Um, was super, super fun to get to hang out with him. Was great to get to hang out with Roy and Mrs. Smith as well. And again, that speaks to the family atmosphere uh, we had all week long. But of course, there are a couple of other things I want to ask you about before I let you go. One of them being one of the sponsors and biggest takeaways from the event was something that happened on the court, but it was not tennis related. It was about the Vaptor, Dave. Vaptor. Oh, I, man. I, Everybody needs a Vaptor right now, I got to tell you. I think Vaptor's taken off. I think, and I, it literally, it was sorcery. I mean, it took me two seconds of watching to be like, whoa, wait, what is happening on the court here? And if you haven't seen the video, I tweeted out the Vaptor in action, which is the latest and greatest in-court drawing technology. It's it's a squeegee that actually works. That's how I would describe it. It's just, but but even, I, I don't know, Dave, I, I'm lost for words. It's just, it was love at first sight for me. There, there are no words. There yeah. really aren't. I mean, you, you watch this, you watch a wet court, and then in minutes it is bone dry, and players are back out there. I mean, imagine on Tuesday morning, all the rain delays that we had, we never would have gotten any tennis in outside if it weren't for the Vaptor. I mean, it would stop, it would, we had a 10-minute rain, and then 10 minutes after it, they're back playing. It, it, there was no delay, really, uh, where you're squeegeeing, and you went out there with towels and dryer, air dryers, and trying to get a dry waiting None of that. The whole court was just bone dry. It was unbelievable. It, I, again, sorcery. It's like if <laughs> we were in Pennsylvania, I was waiting for the witch trials. I was like, this is not <laughs> acceptable. How this, like, where has this been my entire life? And, you know, we had the chance to speak with Justin uh, of Vaptor. You can go hear that on the Cracked Interviews podcast as well. And I know they have just been overwhelmed with uh, positive response to their product. But to your point, Yes, we had the mini rain delays. For me, it took the cake when we had the hour and a half delay or whatever it was, and then we were able to squeeze one more outdoor match in. And after an hour and a half of rain, 12 minutes, 12 minutes to dry the courts. And, like, then we played another match. It was just – I I mean, it's crazy. The the goal at that point, Ryan and I were sitting back going through all the scenarios, and I'm like, if we can just finish group one outside (laughs) – Please, you know, whatever you can do, finish these matches outside as many as we can. And we got one more in, so it was it was perfect. I mean, I, I couldn't thank them enough for making that drive up and, and being a part of the event because they really had a huge impact on the event and hopefully many more events to come, which I'm sure they will. Yeah, and all I ask is, look, if you guys need capital, I'll find some people. Like, put, <laughs> get me in the room. I'm in. Right. Um, I was telling my dad about this. I was like, Dad, I, and he, know, real dad, not our dad. Right. Um, yeah, my dad. And he goes, uh, I was like, Dad, I've never had a passion to invest in anything in my life until this. I was like, I actually, I this one was, I get this product. This is, this was me. This is the one. 
Um, and so shout out to Justin. Again, I, I don't say this lightly. This is not me blowing. This is unsponsored uh, promotion. Yeah. <laughs> and that's how that's how big a fan I am of Vaptor, V-A-P-T-R.com uh, to learn more. But, of course, it wasn't just them. It was from the ball kids on up. I just the, the buy-in from the community, I know. I believe there's only two tennis centers was what Hutch was telling me in the Reading area. Um, what did we have? The entire program as our ball kid program? <laughs> that's uh yeah, that's ryan nars community um so ryan runs the tennis at the y and comrade weiser high school out in the western end of our county and uh he just has built this village around him of of people that will will help and volunteer and and come and when he calls they come um and it's just it's a, it's an amazing thing to watch happen in front of you and how it comes together and i it's a lot of credit to him for all of that um, and he organized all the ball kids that come out there and the volunteers and literally there was a Kojar event. Uh, it was a WTA event about a half an hour down the road. Somebody was there last ball scoreboards in the back of his van. He's driving it to our site, you know, so there's just so many pieces that come together, um, for something like this and to have to buy in, like you said, from the community, it's just, it's absolutely amazing. Mm-hmm. No. And again, I, I think that's why. Just being there, it feels like an event built for the future, and it does feel like the more people hear about it, uh, the more people that will want to play it uh, because certainly, uh, again, to get that sort of match experience as well right before the U.S. Open and just, the, the again, how accommodating all of you were. I, I'm not trying to blow smoke up your derriere. It sincerely was a, a fantastic event. And so, again, uh, I know it. You know, we haven't talked about it yet. It's a Lotto Elite Pro Tennis Challenge, and I know this is part of you guys trying to uh, expand Lotto here in the United States. And you know, I'm curious uh, from that standpoint, how does an event like this help that? Well, you know, Lotto Lotto is a brand that is extremely visible on tour. I think it's mm-hmm. probably the third most visible brand on ATP and WTA tours. Um, and in the U.S., it just hadn't been visible for a few years. It was kind of dormant. So you know, a group got together, and we had the license for it here in the U.S., and we developed this Lotto Elite program, which a lot of brands have a version of, you know, Adidas Saudi player and the K-Swiss team and, you know, D-Squad with Dunlop and Team Head, all those brands. There's a version of it uh, that exists in almost every brand. But what makes it different for us is we're very nimble and flexible here in, in the U.S. with this program. And we take this – for people or players to join the team it's not so rigid you need to be ranked this or rated that or have these wins or not those losses it's who are you as a person you know you you there's so much about every person that makes you what we call elite and it's not elitist it's elite and it could be your grind on the court how visible you are in your community what do you do off the court all those things go into who you are when you go and play tennis um and that's really when we get an application to join the program we don't just say yay or nay based on one or two answers. We take that application, look at every single person, and look into them. We go into their not you know we don't deep dive in their life, but we check out their results, their rankings. We look at them and, and maybe even email them some questions and ask about their where they train, who they're with, and what their activities are, and, and take it from there. So it's really not a you know hey you're a three star or five star recruit. We want you. It's who are you and and why should you join the team kind of thing. So. It's unique, um, and you know it's it's going to be. Uh, we're going to learn this for a long time. It's not not figured totally out yet, but that's kind of the beauty of it. We're going to evolve this program as we need to and as it makes sense. 
Yeah, I know for you personally, as someone who's had uh, a lifelong experience with tennis, you talk about looking beyond the court. Um, again, when when you look at this Lotto Elite program, what are the sorts of things, not only just from a tennis standpoint, but just once they are a part of the Lotto Elite program, what can they expect from you guys? Um, you know, we try to support them as best as we can. Um, what they get from us, you know, is a, a discount. Uh, it's a preferred pricing program. We will throw some free, we call it free swag out there, you know, <laughs> some t-shirts and hats and we support them you know, as much as possible. Um, we try to engage on social media as much as we can, um, make them feel part of the team and, and some emails. And we're, we're figuring that aspect of it out as we go because we just really built this mm-hmm. to a, a good number of players now uh, here in the U.S. So we're starting to turn the corner now. And one of the ideas that we had, which didn't really come to fruition like we had liked, but you know, getting some of the players engaged in video content to put out there and kind of promote who they are, what their academy is all about, and give them a spotlight on, on a live stream. Um, and I think, you know, for next year, we'll, I think we started it too late this year. It was kind of an idea that, that came to me a little bit late. But, yeah, we'll, we'll have something out there. Let these kids kind of tell their story. Let them put it out there. And, and just, you know, what, who are they? What makes them elite? And, and here's, here's who they are. We're kind of fun to do. So we're figuring it out, you know, and, and we're a, we're a program, a company that, hey, you have ideas or things you want, shoot us an email, let us know. Like We're open to anything. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, we'll, we'll do what we can. No, absolutely. Again, and if this Lotto Elite Pro Tennis Challenge is any uh, suggestion, it certainly is, uh, I think, something that I know will turn out exactly how you are looking for it to turn out. But uh, obviously, you know, I happen to be on the grounds of Cincinnati immediately after the event. I had not realized. It, it's funny. Once you're surrounded by the Lotto brand, I'm just like, okay, Lotto, identify. Oh, okay, Wilson, identify. And you're just like, oh, how many freaking lotto athletes there are right now on the ATP and WTA tours. The first one that jumped out to me was Berrettini. I just, I don't think I ever have thought about what Berrettini's sponsorships are. That's the guy right now, is it not? Yeah, yeah, he is. He's got, he's got some good, some good ones. You know, lotto and head, and he's making some things happen. So he's, a, he's a great face of the brand for lotto too. It doesn't hurt being Italian, um, <laughs> but uh, he wears it well, wears it off court well, and. You know, it, it performs for him. So, and we had, you know, we have to mention too that uh, McCund is a, a Lotto endorsed athlete by Lotto Absolutely. Italy, not not by us, but by Italy. So, no, that's awesome. And again, I, I think JJ is as well, right? JJ Wolf. JJ is, yeah. So the beauty of our relationship with Lotto was once we we got the license, licensee became a licensee here, uh, they decided to start investing into more U.S. players, which is a great mm-hmm. thing. Um, JJ Wolf and I think uh, Patrick Kipson, both mm-hmm. results of that. Um, probably some other players I'm, I'm forgetting right now, but I know they definitely were looking to invest more into the U.S. market now that they're going to have some visibility here. So, all I'm saying is if they're looking for a recreational, best days quality 5 0 player, I'm here for you, Dave. I you am can, you can apply at lotto.sportlife.com slash elite. <laughs> there it is. I like that. No, that's perfect. That's what I am looking for. Well, again, uh, just some final thoughts before I let you go. How does Dave Emke go where he is? I know there was a, a little brief experience in, with some college tennis as well, but give me your lifetime in tennis story. My lifetime in tennis, boy. Um, so I you know, played my whole life, obviously, played in college, but I've been marred by a few back operations and, and most recently just last year, shoulder surgery. But 
um, you know, kind of didn't go. I'm not. I was never going to make it very far, um, but did not did not go as far as I would have liked. But I think actually, let me get a breath of fresh air to keep going in the industry right now. You know, I wasn't one of those guys that played Division One tennis, got burned out, and said I'm done, and I'm taking a break from it. Um, you know, I, I worked in a corporate environment right after college for three years and decided that wasn't for me. Um, then a family business, which actually uh, was the Y. Uh, that was my family business prior to being the Y Tennis Fitness Club. And, uh, and then the Y happened. So um, then I, I actually landed at, at From Tennis, the distributor. Um, and I was there for, I think it was like eight or nine years uh, before we opened up a pro shop and racket bar down at the USDA national campus in Orlando. Mm-hmm. Um, so I had various positions at Frommuth from warehouse, retail store, marketing, you name it. And then, um, I moved my family, my wife and two kids down to Orlando, Lake Nona for two years, uh, stepped foot on that campus while there were still mounds of dirt and some light poles, no tennis courts yet. <laughs> and, uh, opened up the pro shop and then we conceptualized the, what's now the racket bar. Um, and you know, there you have a team of professional stringers, uh, Sean Prokes lead that charge now who, uh, his dad, Roman Prokes, RPNY tennis in New York, does customization at the highest of levels. Um, you know, we actually flew Leonard up from the racket bar to string for this event. So kind of, you know, the entrepreneurial route there, um, and starting that business up and then, uh, came back two years later. So 2018 to 2019, and then, um, you know, a lot of opportunity happened where I got to go to the brand side, um, which is a lot different than being a distributor model. Uh, so learning how to, how to be in a brand and, you know, really now it's, I'm importing from, you know, seven different countries, eight different factories and running a brand lot elite program and wholesale and sales and you name it. It's really been a unique experience, but, um, but yeah, so I never, I didn't think in college this is what I'd be doing, but I'm hmm. very happy it did. <laughs> yeah, no doubt about that. And what's so interesting about your story, again, it, to me, it's just how many different pathways there are to be in tennis, right? It, it doesn't have to just be playing. It is multifaceted industry. There are so many different routes you can go. And, yeah, I mean, again, it, it, it was such a pleasure for us to get to be down there. I did obviously get to hang out with Leonard a little bit as well. Our 6 a.m. in the gym chats were a staple. <laughs> Uh, of each and every morning but um no it, it it was so fun again to get to be at the empty household to get to experience that event i guess the last one i gotta ask who is the best empty sibling right now at tennis you guys are all out on the court who wins oh man I, again very honestly um everyone is hurt and i'm i had <laughs> shoulder surgery in december and i'm in the best shape so it's gonna be me <laughs> But in our prime, um, if you put everybody out there in their prime, my older brother, Chris, was on tour. He played in the Big South, won that a few times, played on tour. Um, just a beast. Now he actually trains down in Bradenton, a lot of pros. Um, I think he actually trained Philip, who's Eubanks' coach, for two summers. Um, my brother, Greg, was an All-American from Swarthmore. So, you know, we, we run the game in here. But right now, in this moment, <laughs> I'll take it. <laughs> yeah, that's a lot of talent on the court. No doubt about that. Um but again, the the correct answer was me. I'm the most talented. Uh, of well, we all haven't we haven't played yet, so I don't know. We got to get out there. And play, yeah, I so. was not an all American at Swarthmore. I was not on tour. I, I it's not me. I mean, I'll beat you. Uh, like let's, <laughs> let's be clear. <laughs> but uh, no, again, I, I can't thank you enough for playing host to our Crack Rackets team. It was such an enjoyable event. Obviously, should you ever need us in the future, you know where to find us. But uh, Dave, again, thank you so much uh, for taking the time to chat with us today, and I am sure we will be chatting more in the future.
My pleasure. Thank you. Hope all of you enjoyed my conversation with Dave Emke. Again, a huge thank you to him, his entire family, for hosting us at the 2021 Lotto Elite Pro Tennis Challenge. We very much hope to be back for the 2022 event. We hope to work with Dave more in the future. So again, a thank you to him. Be sure to check out everything that's happening at Lotto Elite as well. There's a reason all of these pro players are now wearing the Lotto brand. Perhaps you should be as well, so be on the lookout for more collaboration between the two of us moving forward. But again, I mentioned it this at the top. U.S. Open preview podcast all week long on the Great Shot podcast feed covering Winston-Salem, Chicago, Cleveland, day in, day out on the mini break feed. We are, or we, I should say, we do have press access in Winston-Salem, so we're going to try and get one-on-ones with as many of those players as possible. Be on the lookout for those here on the Cracked Interviews podcast feed, and of course, like, rate, subscribe, review to each of the podcasts. If you miss anything, you can find it all on our website, crackrackets.com. If you need the more immediate updates, Twitter, Instagram, Facebook, YouTube, we are at Cracked Rackets. You want to message me directly, I'm at Great Shot Pod. A shout out, as always, to our super producers, Max Ligner and Daniel Westoff, for the f- of an editing job they do day in, day out. A shout out, as well, to our friends uh, over at Tennis Point. Remember, it's tennis point.com. The promo code is CR15. With all of that said, for our fantastic ass Lotto Elites, Dave Emke, super producers Fleekner and Westoff, our friends at Tennis Point, from all of us here at both Crack Rackets and the Tennis Channel Podcast Network, I'm your host, Alex Gruskin. You've been listening to another edition of the Cracked Interviews Podcast. Stay safe, stay healthy. We'll see you all soon. Thanks, everyone. <laughs>